Here's a theme song, you know it's not a mean song It's a good song, just as it should song American Brews and Tunes And so I said to him, you put the turtle back, mister (laughs) I know, right? And then he got real mad and said, no, that's not my turtle you're the one who brought it from the pet store. Exactly. <laughs> but enough of this anecdote. Welcome to a one-off episode of American Brews and Tunes. Yeah. Hello, everybody. My name is Stephen Johnston. And my name is Jesse Titus. Wow. This is episode number 82. 82? We probably said what we were going to be reviewing on the last episode, but in case we didn't, which I can't remember if we did or not. I don't know uh, either, but let's just say it again. Let's say it again. We've reviewed Reunion Tour by the weaker thans. Yes, that's what we're going to be reviewing. It's going to be great. Yeah, it is going to be great. It almost feels like a reunion because it's been a while since we recorded an episode. It really has been. So it's like a mini reunion for us. Yeah, a couple week reunion. <laughs> yeah, just a, just a, a little, just a reunionette. Yeah, we uh we reunito. <laughs> we've uh we've reviewed multiple other weaker thans albums, correct? Just one other. Oh, I thought we did another one-off. Uh, only one. Only one? Reconstruction site. Reconstruction site, mm-hmm. okay. So, All right, well, then this is, we'll have to review the other ones. Yes, we at will. At some point. Mm-hmm. Anyways, before we get to that fantastic album, let's review a beer, shall we? We shall. Now, I know we have had quite a few stone beers on this podcast. Yes, and we I have. And I believe... Not for a while, though. Have we had any version of The Arrogant Bastard? I believe we've had it, um, some kind of version Probably. But anyways, hopefully we haven't had this version because we're about to have it now. The Oaked Arrogant Bastard Ale. Ooh, Um, sounds spooky. If you have never had the Arrogant Bastard Ale, it is one of Stone's earliest beers that they've had. It's got the gargoyle on the front and a very arrogant and lengthy description on the back about how you're probably not going to like the beer. Um, If you haven't ever read that, look it up. It's easy to find, um, and it's quite funny. Yeah. This version, however, says arrogant bastard ale made with American oak wood chips. So yeah, well that that'll be interesting. Not only will it be interesting, but this is not fresh. No, not at all. How not fresh is it, Jesse? Um, if I remember the dates on the bottle correctly, it said enjoy by some date in 2016. January 7. <laughs> January 7, 2016. So it you bought that in 2015. It was bottled in October of 2015. Wow, so that's almost four years ago that was bottled. Yeah, it's been aging for a little while. Yeah, but you've At been cellar aging temp. It, yeah, you've been aging it properly. Yeah, so uh, let's uh, crack this and, and give it a little pour, shall we? Yeah, I wonder if it's gotten like way more mellow. Because it seems like all those like really heavy beers and like really hoppy, like intense beers that we have aged over the past how many ever years, it always seems like they get a little bit more mellow and you can kind of like the hop flavor like doesn't like dull out, but it almost it's, like gets softer. It does. And it also seems like carbonation kind of goes away a little bit, yeah. which might not be the case here. I'm seeing a nice little foamy head on both of them. Yeah, I'm seeing some bubbles. So I think we will still have the carbonation going. That's a really nice dark brown color. Yeah, it's nice. Because the Arrogant Bastard Ale is, it's not an IPA. It's just it's, an ale. It's a strong ale. Yes. Which is kind of similar to barley wines, but they, they each have their own in- intricacies. It's kind of a yeah. a catch-all term for st- 
stronger ales, I guess. <laughs> it's it's a, named appropriately. The, the name strong ale is a catch-all term yeah. for all strong ales. Now, it's got a pretty nice-looking foamy. It does. It looks really nice. Light tan head on the, the top. Yeah, light which tan. I'm surprised. It almost kind of looks like if you were to make a root beer float. It's got a sweetness to it still, which, uh, if I remember correctly, the Arrogant Bastard you mean the smell. had a sweet, sweet smell, to, sweet it, smell yeah. to it. Yeah, it definitely does. What else do you, you get can, note-wise? Hmm. I'm trying to differentiate between all the smells right now. No, I always know when you get you have beers like this, you get like the, the little notes of the dark fruits and the figs, perhaps. Yeah, there's and I'm definitely, getting a, a little bit of that. Scent. Yeah, there's definitely the dark fruit note. But then, as I was saying before, it almost seems like if this were fresh, you would be getting it way more pungent. It would be way more pungent. Perhaps. <laughs> the only way to know is to have a brand new one and a really yeah, old that's one. That's never going to happen. Let's go ahead and uh, actually. As I'm looking at this, it's very sedimenty in my glass. Is it really? Yeah. yeah. Same in mine. I think I got the last pour perhaps in mine because mine's very sedimenty. Oh, yeah. Look at all those sediments in there. Yeah. So it's Ooh, that'll add some extra flavor. We'll see. It's going to be interesting. Eh? What do we uh, say? We give this a cheers and give it a try. Let's give it a cheers and try. As we always say on American Brews and Tunes. Down the three and a half year old hatch. <laughs> hmm. Still bitter in the way that I remember the arrogant bastard to be bitter. Yeah, but just like I suspected, it almost seems like all the flavors have been rounded out more. Yeah, I'm getting less of the dark fruit flavors, but I'm still getting a lot of that bitterness. It's almost as if you shaved or at least trimmed a porcupine. (laughs) What does that mean? (laughs) (laughs) You know, well, porcupines have a bunch of quills. Yeah, why would you shave it? What does that mean? (laughs) Okay, you like me, eating quills me, that were no, on the ground? No, no, let me run with this for a second. Okay, so there's a porcupine, and if you were to pork, pork, pork. if you were to try to pet the porcupine, ouch! Or in this case, drink a fresh arrogant bastard, oaked arrogant bastard. All the flavors would be very pointy, and uh, they would stick out more. So we commit cruelty to animals, uh, and no, 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 no. This less. is just a fictitious porcupine that doesn't actually exist, and. Um, just saying, if you were to trim their quills, which I think would actually probably hurt them a lot, so you definitely don't want to do that. I think their quills come out, though. I don't know if the quills are I alive. I think they do. What are the quills? Are they like little uh, hairs? Or I'm not really like entirely little, sure what they're made of. Like cartilage, like bones? But I've, I've seen like pictures where dogs have like tried yeah, to attack porcupines, and they've, they've got a face full of quills. Yeah. So the quills fall out of the porcupine, and so I maybe it wouldn't hurt are, them. I think the quills are barbed as well. Yeah. Ooh. But anyway... Imagine if you were to then pet a trimmed up porcupine, it probably wouldn't hurt as much. And that's what I'm saying about the flavors in this. They're yeah. not, they're still all there. How about this? Like you put up, they're just not as poignant and as pungent. You put a big wool steel, like a, a super thick wool sweater over that porcupine. Yeah. And then you <laughs> and, pet it. And it probably won't <laughs> go through, but maybe a couple will come through. And the sweater has Yoshi on it. But not as pokey as it could be. Yeah. Isn't Sonic the Hedgehog? No, he's a hedgehog. Never mind. (laughs) (laughs) I answered my own question very easily. Isn't Sonic the Hedgehog a porcupine? I was like, Sonic. Oh no, not even close. Uh, No. Anyways, it's it's pretty good. Are you you getting much of the oak flavor? Um, I'm not sure if I am. I I know we've had some barrel aged beers, and sometimes the barrel flavor goes away a little bit. Uh, Maybe that's the case here because this wasn't actually aged in a barrel. They just added oak chips to it. Yeah, I kind of feel like there's a slight woodiness to it, but it almost kind of is tastes the same as like a nuttiness. 
Yeah. If that makes sense. That makes sense. There's definitely a lot of dark fruit flavors coming through, which is really nice. And the hop has been rounded out as it's been aged for three years. Um, overall, it's a fairly tasty beer. I believe that I would probably rather have a fresh one, though. Yeah, I think that would make a big difference. Because all those flavors would probably be very present and maybe more noticeable or more sharp, like a porcupine. A porcupine. <laughs> yeah, but it's, it's pretty good. Um, as we always do on American Brews and Tunes, if the taste kind of opens up as the beer warms up, we'll let you know. Otherwise, I think, sh- I think this one might. I think it will, because I think, I think there's a lot going will. on. Um, but other than that, shall we move into the music? Let's. So we are reviewing the 2007 release reunion tour. 2007. 2007. I know it's, wow. it doesn't seem like it's that old, does it? No, it doesn't. But, but that's mostly because I didn't know about the weaker thens until 2016. <laughs> but it's their uh, the weaker thens reunion tour. That's just the album title. Yes, it's not a live <laughs> album or anything. It's yeah, just that's called I, that. Whenever I first saw it, the album title, I was like. This is just a live album. What the heck? But it's not. What the hecky? Um, this is the fourth and um, what looks like final album. Hopefully from the, not final. Hopefully but. not. But uh, from the Canadian alt rock group. Um, after this album in 2015, um, the band was like very inactive and kind of on a hiatus. And there are some of the members have hinted that they broke up. But I think John K. Sampson said, "You never know." Yeah. Um, so it's not permanent, but. For the foreseeable future, um, there's nothing happening in that, yeah. that camp. Personally, I know we both hope that yeah. they get back together. As you all know, and as we kind of hinted at ourselves, um, we reviewed The Weaker Than's third album, Reconstruction Site, on episode number 48 of American Brews and Tunes. So if you want to hear Ooh. that, go check it out. Really it was a good one. It or listen to it for the first time. I actually don't remember how it was, but I'm assuming we did a good job. I think it was probably a great episode. We've got a good track record, so we probably treated that one with... with Great care. Yeah. With great care. <laughs> With great irreverence. I don't know. Um, that album had some, some great themes, and I think it was a overall binding that kind of held that album together. Yeah. Um, this and album is definitely widely, sim- similar. In yeah. Way. I think that, that album, the Reconstruction Side, is widely considered by critics as their best album. Their best one. Mm-hmm. But Reunion Tour is my favorite. Mm, okay. Um, and I think it is, I would call it a concept album. It does kind of seem like a concept album. Um, I, because pretty much every song is told from the perspective of somebody of who's somebody not else. John K. Sampson, with the exception right. of one song, potentially. Right. Yeah. Um, and I think that this shows John K. Sampson's writing at its finest. Um, yeah, I, I agree with Super that, literary. Sure. Like, he, it's just, it's it's really good. He puts himself in the mindset of a lot of different people. Yeah. Um, some songs on this record are profoundly and poignantly sad, mm-hmm. more than they might have a right to be. <laughs> uh, but here we out. Um, like house cats and Bigfoot enthusiasts shouldn't make, <laughs> make you feel so emotional. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I see John K. Saying. Sampson does that. Yeah, that's just what he does a really good job of. Yeah. Um, in a lot of the Weaker Than's albums. He does a really good job of like choosing the correct words, like choosing words that really bring to light the point that he's trying to make with yeah. whichever song it I, is. I think he has a very good way of explaining feelings that people have but aren't articulate enough to say. Yeah, don't. Yeah. Or are almost not like unarticulatable, but 
find you, very difficult to articulate. Yeah. Yeah. He does it. Agreed. Beautifully. Beautifully. John K. Simpson Lee. <laughs> come a long way since propaganda. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Shall we delve into the tracks? We shall. I've got uh, three recommendations and two honorable mentions. Okay. So that's going to be five that you should listen to out of 11, <laughs> even though I think you should listen to all of them. Uh, you I just want to just listen to all of them. I want to highlight my favorites. Okay. Uh, my first honorable mention is the first song, Civil Twilight. It's a great song. Um, so the first thing I'm going to say about every song is whose perspective it's told through. Okay, yeah. And then we'll kind of go idea. from there. Um, this song is told from the perspective of a public transportation bus driver. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's kind of reminiscing about a lost love. So he, he talks about like these mundane ways he passes time in his everyday life because driving a bus is boring. I mean, I, I'm I mean, assuming I you have the imagine. same route every day, right? Um. I would assume part. so. So it's, he he knows Especially where to go. Especially if it's, you're like a city bus driver. Yeah, and and that's what he is. And he's just doing the same thing over and over again. So he's talking about how he passes the time, um, and then eventually reflects on like how he missed the chance to save this relationship. Yeah, um, and now he thinks of her every time, like the at the civil twilight, like right yeah. more like sunset kind of yeah, time. Like, and I suppose if you're a bus driver, you have a very interesting <clears throat> take on that moment of the day. Yeah, or like a different take. As opposed to if you were, like, hiking and you were looking at the sunset, you know. It means something different. Yeah. Yeah. It would mean something completely different. Yeah. So it's but, it's an interesting perspective. It's a, it's a super catchy song. Yeah. Um, I really, really like this song. Yeah, I think it's super um, catchy. And one thing that you can see in this song or hear in this song and will be heard throughout the album is how the weaker thans... Um, it seems like like there's a lot going on in every single song, um, musically. Musically, yeah, and the songs always sound very full, and like uh, robust and like complete. Even like though in a lot of the songs the instrumentation is minimal, they used space well. Yeah, they use, yeah. they use space very well. Agreed. That makes sense. Shall we move on to track number two? Yes. So this song is. Told from the perspective of a real-life person named David Reimer. Reimer? What's the song called? Oh, it, I'm sorry. It's called <laughs> Hymn of the Medical Oddity. Yes. I'm going to say... How's it spelled? R-E-I-M-E-R. E-I-M-E-R. Reimer? Reimer? I'm going to go with Reimer. Because <laughs> okay. I, like, I like that name. Okay. But who knows? Um, David <laughs> Reimer, Reimers. when he was an infant, received a botched circumcision... And was left physically mutilated. I'm not going to go into too much more detail than that, but yeah. I'm sure that's enough to to give you to a picture. To get the, uh, the the point across. Yeah, because it's it's uh, who. Yeah, just because the heebie-jeebies a little bit. Of a little bit, yeah. Um, his parents, under the recommendation of a psychologist named John Money, at least that's how his name's spelled, M-O-N-E-Y, um, they decided to raise David as a girl and renamed her Brenda. Mm-hmm. So that's. An interesting thing. And it's worth noting that he had a twin who was yeah. a brother. So the psychologist might have had some ulterior motives saying, ooh, we can raise this one as a, a girl and that twin as a boy and see, like, yeah, some, get some like, gender studies. So it's weird. It it's, a, like it's an experiment. Like, it seems like such a weird situation. It's, like, it is. It's what, a horrible experiment. What do you experiment. do, like, like, ethically in that situation? Like, it seems almost unethical to I think it's very unethical that. what happened. Um, David never really felt right as a girl. Um, but, and, and kind of like had some depression and some weird stuff going on and eventually was told the truth at age 15. Wow. 
Um, so this caused the already present depression to worsen. Um, and after some money troubles and a uh, failing marriage way later on in life, um, and I guess I should mention he decided to go back to, to being a male mm-hmm. um, after he, he found out the truth. But way later on in life, at the age 38, um, he died by suicide, unfortunately. So yeah. I think all, this had a lot to do with it, his medical history. Yeah, a lot of the lyrics point to, to that. A lot of yeah. what John, the words that John K. Sampson chooses yeah. point to that for sure. And it's hard to put yourself in the position of this person because that's yeah, and this is a very unique situation. I feel like I, I think this is probably the best song or the one song that like he it truly shows like how well John K. Sampson words yeah. his songs about putting it through their perspective. Agreed. And maybe it wouldn't be you know one hundred percent accurate, but it it helps. The listener understand how that how uh, David would have felt yeah. in a way. I'm going to read the very last uh, stanza in the song because I yeah, think it's that's a, that's a good one. It's the, a good one, the one that leaves that's you. That's what I was going to mention anyway. Yeah, it leaves you the most emotional, the most, I guess. The, the most, most uh, depressed and yeah. sad, and po- makes you ponder about life. Yeah. And he's uh, he's in a, a parking lot smoking a cigarette, either before or after a shift or something, and he says, "And if they remember me at all." Make them remember me as more than a queer experiment, more than a diagram in their quarterly. Make them remember me. Yeah. It's really kind of a bummer. Yeah, it really is. Um, and he did take his own life in his vehicle in a parking lot. So I think John K. Sampson was writing this as like his last things that he's thinking, mm-hmm. which is really a bummer. Yeah. I think there's a good, I mean, it's a good reason that he, he titled it him of the medical oddity right yeah because like he's in a way almost trying to pay tribute to and and i think he also wrote him because he does reference some, some saints, saints yeah, yeah. Saint boniface and, and something saint else Patel or something like that and one of those is a reference to a canadian something or other street oh, or something really? one of them's a mm. yeah so I'm, i can't remember entirely what it is but it's it's interesting yeah it's a fantastic song a really yeah. somber sounding song but and musically it's it's it almost has like a classical feel to it with those those dyads if you will <laughs> those guitar parts of the, that's played throughout yeah um, but it's, it is very beautifully written moving on to a song that really changes pace mm-hmm. uh, track number three is called relative surplus value yeah and this song is told from the perspective of a young man who has just been fired, and he is telling the story of misfortune to somebody he knows uh, in some capacity, yeah. and hopes that they'll pick him up. I'm assuming from the airport, yeah. Um, yeah. So he's like had a crazy, I'm assuming past 24 hours, yeah, 36 hours. However, yeah, uh, he got fired from his job, which John K. Sampson said it was about the the internet um, boom, like all those dot coms, the dot. Uh, like the 90s and the early 2000s, whatever that was, when people were making a lot of money on all the internet stuff. Anyone with a dot-com could publicly trade it and make a lot of money, even though there wasn't any real ver- like worth to it. Oh, really? And so that, that bubble kind of burst in, Weird. in a, a bad way. So it has something to do with that. And relative surplus value is a Marxist theory. Did you look at that into that at all? Mm, no, I didn't. Uh, but it kind of works towards capitalism a little bit more. Uh, it's... The relative surplus value in layman terms for which I read it uh, was if a worker is working and in one hour's time he gets paid $10, but he makes $40 worth of product, Yeah, that's $30 of relative surplus value. Okay. So it's that's, that's where the actual title came from. Hmm. 
Uh, song's very fast paced. Yeah, it's um, a lot faster than the booming drums. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd say the drums are almost as frantic as the way that this guy is retelling his story. Mm, yeah, yeah. I, there's a word for that when the music reflects the the tone, but I can't remember what that is. <laughs> sorry, all our music professors in college. Not sorry, but I am sorry. That. <laughs> yeah, I thought I got my degree. Um, it's, a, it's a nice change of pace. You got yeah. anything to say about this one? Um, no, I think you said said enough. Said it all. Hooah! <laughs> On to track number four. Track number four is called Tournament of Hearts. This song is about curling. Yes, the Canadian sport of curling. This is probably and the most Canadian song on the album. Yeah, let me tell you something first. Yes. Um, whenever they were going to release this album, they did webisodes. They did like four webisodes through Epitaph Records. What? And, and, uh, and in those webisodes, they're each like three minutes long. And it's basically like this short, tiny documentary about the Weaker Thans uh, um, making this album. And basically, it's well, there's a whole there's a whole weird thing about how they are claiming that they made the whole album on a budget of $100. Because Brett Ger- Gerwitz was like, I think you guys can make this album for $100. I think it was just a story that they told for the episodes. Yeah, that's, that's a joke. BS. But That's funny. <laughs> But I mean, unless you own your own studio. In, uh, but in one of the episodes, uh, John K. Sampson is sitting in a chair reading a book about curling. He was like, he was like, I think that this song will really play towards a Canadian audience. They're going to get it right away. But for Americans, I thought maybe I should read a little bit about what curling is, so you understand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, in order for this song to make sense, I had to learn a lot of curling stuff yeah um if you go to the the lyric genius page about this it all makes sense um this song is told from the perspective of a man who hangs out at a curling rink to avoid going home to his significant other i'm assuming his wife yeah um he uses a plethora of curling terms yeah to describe what this guy is feeling Mm. Um, if this was an American song, it would either be about football or about baseball. Baseball, or, uh, yeah. and they would use all kinds of like, it, like a like pop fly or or a strikeout or yeah or triple. Like he, all these phrases, even like random phrases about like 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 concessions. You could probably like, like dollar dog night or something like that. I'm sure you could use. Yeah. So he uses all these things that you would have to know about curling. To relate to this guy who's having a hard time expressing himself in his relationship yeah. and, and really struggling. In the uh, in the webisode, he said that the average Canadian uh, spends like four nights at a curling club. Oh, so weird. I don't know if that's true, but I mean, I assume it is because they're from Canada. <laughs> they would know better and, than us at least. And that it was really funny too because he was like, yeah, I've been really stressed out uh, making this new album. And the only thing that has brought me peace is going to the curling club after <laughs> like at night. <laughs> oh, man, it's so weird. Yeah. Um, the title, uh, Tournament of Hearts, is an annual women's curling championship. Oh, really? Um, so I think he titled that because it's a curling championship, but also uh, the competing hearts between the, this man and the, the wife. Yeah, that um, makes so sense. Another double meaning. Um, super catchy song. Yeah, it really is. Um, I love the end when he repeats the right off. No, never, 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 ever. 
Right off. No, did, never, never, ever, never. There you go. I was going to say, did right you notice off, how he switches? No, never, ever, ever, never. He switches the right order off. of nevers and nevers. Yeah. But I guess that's a, a phrase when they are sweeping real fast. Never, really? ever, never, ever. Like, they, they've got all kinds of phrases. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Like, hack weight. Like, all kinds of weird phrases. Yeah, I, I recognize that. that the uh, Was it hack weight or back weight? Hack weight. Hack weight, okay. Apparently, that's... If you throw it's it like too hard. You, oh, okay. Yeah, I'm always throwing hack weight is what he yeah. says. Like, I'm, I'm always, always going. throwing hack weight. Yeah. So all kinds of really cool. I'd recommend looking up the lyrics for this one and, and doing yeah, some research. Yeah, that'd be really interesting. Yeah. Uh, I kind of want to try curling now. I'm curious. <laughs> I wonder if there's any curling club in Nashville. I bet you we can find one somewhere. <laughs> um, shall we move on? Yes, to uh, a, another sad song. Yes. Uh, pro- one of the saddest songs on the record. It's my first recommendation. It's called Vertute the Cat Explains Her Departure. Um, so this song is told from the perspective of a cat named Vertute. And it is the sequel to a song on Reconstruction site, which was yes. called A Plea from a Cat Named Vertute. Yes. Um, but as this title explains, Vertute is a she. And oh. she explains her depar- departure. Yes. So for those of you who do not remember what happened in A Plea from a Cat Named Vertute, go ahead and listen to American Brews and Tunes episode number 48. We'll be uh, glad to tell you there. Yeah. But if you don't want to go listen to that, I'll tell you now. Um, this song's <laughs> that, that song is about a owner who has a cat, and the cat is the one telling the story, and the owner is a depressed guy, and the cat's trying to kind of help him out. Like the song ends with the cat saying, "I know you're strong." Yeah. On this song, though, Vertute the cat explains her departure. We learn that the owner has not improved, and Vertute has decided to leave. Yes. Um, after having been a stray cat for a while, after leaving her owner, Vertute reminisces of the times with her owner and realizes uh, that it can't remember the sound uh, that you gave for me, is what the the quote says. So that's a weird thing to to think of, but when you think of what a cat would be thinking, like, what's the sound that you found for me? Yeah, and even, like, with a dog, like... What's the sound that you found for me? It's a name. Her name, yeah. Yeah, so... So Vertute has been on the streets for so long, she can't even remember her own name that was yeah. given to her by an owner. It's such a, like, yeah. when that hits at the at the climax oh, of the yeah. song, yeah, like yeah. it crescendos, falls, crescendos bigger, I falls, men really crescendos. the sound that you found for me. Oh, it's so, so sad when that happens. Yeah. Um, Great, and that's, though. like, even though it's being told from the perspective of a cat, it's such a human song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The way I look at it is like someone trying to cut out a toxic relationship and how it hurts both people profoundly. Yeah. And this, like, it's it's devastating when, like, you can't, like, this cat can't remember. Like, it's, it's, it's like, really sad, very yeah. poignant. I can't remember the one thing that, like, connected us. Yeah. Pretty the, much. And, like... Pets like know their name. If they didn't, if they know one thing, it's their names. Yeah, yeah. So that's such a sad song. It's it's probably my favorite on the album. Yeah, um, one of the, my favorites from them in general. Yeah, one of my favorites. Um, this song does have a third on John K. Sampson's second solo record called Winter Wheat. Um, it's called Vertute at Rest. Yeah. Um, I'll let you guys listen to that, or we'll review that album at some point in time. But okay. it's it's a closure on the look that forward to trilogy. that in episode one hundred and sixty four, <laughs> maybe maybe sooner <laughs> or one hundred and eighty two. Oh, that's too far. <laughs> and plus one eighty two is going to be a blink away two episode. So don't don't you <laughs> no. even try that. Let's move on, shall we? Yeah, we shall. Elegy for Gump Worsley. So a very strange sound. An outlier, would you say? Uh, no, sonically, sonically sure, but not. 
I, I wouldn't say thematically or... Yeah, or not thematically. And not, but I'd say an, it's an outlier sonically, but it yeah, fits the record. It definitely is. This is told from the perspective of a person giving an elegy for a real-life hockey player named Gump Worsley. Gump Worsley. Presumably at Gump's funeral or wake. Yeah. Uh, it's hard to say for sure. I'm going to go ahead and say a wake because there's a banjo playing, and I imagine they're at a bar, and maybe someone's just playing a banjo while this guy gives his elegy. And I had to look up what an elegy was. Did you know what that? I mean, I know what a eulogy is. Yeah. An elegy is, is an just elegy like a, different? a poem that's oh, that, okay. that a poem kind of... About a dead person? Yeah. Okay. So a eulogy, I, I think, eulogy is specifically is like, at a funeral. Is specifically at a funeral and specifically... Um, it's like paragraph format. Yes. Like it's a paper. And this... Or a short... So there, a there short are piece. some differences, but they're, yeah. they're very similar. Very similar. Yeah. This song is really... Interesting. Like I said, it's just a, yeah. a banjo kind of not really playing chords. It's kind of playing some arpeggios while John K. Sampson talks, talks over this. He's yeah. literally giving an elegy, like a, reading a poem. Um, and Gump Worsley was a hockey player, played for a couple different teams, but he was a goalie. Yeah. Um, notably, he was the last goalie to play without a face mask. Yes. Which is crazy. Yeah. Um, he swore he was never afraid of the puck. We believed him. We believed him. We believed him. My face is... What's he say? My face is my mask? Um. Yeah. Uh, let them know that the inscription should read, my face was my mask. Yeah. So he's, he's literally just talking about this guy. Yeah. Um, I think it's interesting because he... When we think of sports figures, we think of larger than life people. Yeah. And they kind of are now. Like they superstars. They definitely are now. Um, this guy said... Like, and John K. Sampson says he looked more like our fathers. Yeah. I think that's a very first line of the song. Not an, yeah, he looked more like our fathers. Yeah, he's got a not his jersey a, tugging not at goalie, his beer belly. Not an athlete, period. Yeah, so he's he's just an average looking person who had normal struggles. He talks about his like his mental breakdown. He had to go to a mm-hmm. therapist. Um, but obviously he was among some of the bravest and toughest people to that, not that wear play the game. Hockey mask, yeah. yeah, which is just crazy. It's insane. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. Good it's song. a good song. Very interesting. Definitely give it a listen. Yes. Moving on to track number seven, which yes. is my next recommendation. Yeah, I would agree. This song is called Sun in an Empty Room. <laughs> <laughs> Boom. And I'd say it's the, the first in a, 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 a series of two songs. I think this and the yeah, next one have a sense. very strong tie, but I'll touch upon that in a second. Okay. This is told from the perspective of... Uh, it's not necessarily a guy or a girl, but it's from a person who just went through a breakup. And uh, this person and their significant other have packed up everything from their shared apartment and are cl- like leaving for the last time yeah. and taking one last look at the apartment. Um, the apartment's now empty and the narrator is thinking of everything that happened there, uh, yeah. which is kind of sad and, and really a bummer. Like the emptiness in the room reminds the narrator that it's all over. Um, and And it's... Done. Yeah. Uh, it was inspired by a painting. Right. I forgot A painting about that. titled Sun in an Empty Room. Forgot about that. Yeah. By the artist Edward Hopper. Um, I'd say this is probably the catchiest song on the yeah, album. Yeah, 100%. Um, it's very melodic. Um, got a lot of music motifs and stuff that kind of pop up. Yeah. Yep, definitely. Um, and it culminates, I think, in the song when he goes, uh, and he repeats the sun in an empty room, sun in an empty room. Yeah. 
Um, it's just Take it's very well written. Sun in an empty room. If we meant it, if we tried. Sun in an empty room. Yeah. And I really like the last chorus when he's talking about the sun. He's like, uh, he's talking about how the sun's eight thousand however many miles away and take eight minutes to divide that because that's yeah. how long the, the we takes for us to see sunlight just for that light to reflect and cast a shadow on this empty room yeah so he's like thinking of all these little details about how empty the room is another great example of his, his songwriting his songwriting and work just to, choice, yeah like if i saw a shadow I'd be like oh there's a shadow yeah not john k samson he's like he's like man that sunlight take, took so long to get here yeah and all it's doing is making me sad yeah such a great song though um, shall we move on? We shall. Track number eight is called Night Windows, Night and it's Windows. my second honorable mention. Okay. Um, this is told from the perspective of a person who is walking by a house where a deceased loved one used to live. Oh, okay. Um, for a while, I thought it was like a, a significant other who maybe they had a breakup, but this one is of a deceased loved one who used to live at this apartment. Okay. So he's walking by and he sees like this window and is remembering when mm. that person used to live there. Um, they're kind of reminiscing about some experiences in the past, which is common on this album. There's a lot of reminiscing. Yes, yes quite a bit. Um, the narrator is super sad that they'll never get to see or talk to this person ever again. And they, they just, they're kind of bummed out. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, yeah. I would be bummed out. This is also inspired by a painting of the same title Night by Windows. Edward Hopper. Hmm, you can wow, all you have to do is look those up and you'll find them. That's interesting. I um, like that. Really easy to do. It's really really a good song. Um, the last chorus, or I guess it's not a last chorus. It's the last verse um, is the one that kind of gets me and chokes me up a little bit. I'm gonna read it for you. Okay. Um, he says, "But you're not coming home again, and I won't ever get to say, remember how." Dot dot dot. I'm sorry that dot dot dot. I missed the way dot dot dot. Could we question mark? So it's, he's like, he's just thinking about like, I'll never get to have any conversation with you again. I yeah. could I could say remember this or I'm sorry about this. He's, so he's, he's like trying to reminisce yeah, or trying to gone. apologize yeah. or make a recommendation, um, and he can't. Yeah. So it's it's all for nay, hmm. for not whatever. Such a sad ending. Let's move on to track number nine, shall we? Another sad song. Another sad song. This is my last <laughs> recommendation. It's called Bigfoot. It's a good song. Bigfoot. Yeah, I suppose there Bigfoot! is there is a uh, an exclamation point on there. So you have to say Bigfoot. <laughs> you have to say it that way. Otherwise, it doesn't count. <laughs> uh, this song is told from the perspective of a real life person, Bobby yes. Clark. Bobby Clark captured a video that allegedly shows Bigfoot. Oh. In this song, he really really believes like to the core of his being that what he saw was real yeah that what he saw um, was he's bigfoot. convinced that he saw bigfoot and he's just trying to tell people about it and trying yeah. to convince people um only to find that they mock him mm-hmm. and they don't take him seriously so he's yeah. devastated that no one believes him yeah um, Musically, it's a slow strip back song, pretty much just a one guitar and a vocal with. Yeah, but it still sounds really sounds full, full and really like well fleshed out. Yeah, there is some, I believe, some type of uh, atmospheric sound going on in the background just mm-hmm. to kind of complement it. But yeah, oh, it sounds so full. It's such a sad song. Yeah. I never thought that I could feel sad for a person trying for to a person who cry Bigfoot. Yeah, but it really, you really yeah, do I feel mean, for it's, this. Like it's really I'll, more. 
it's really more about like the fact that he believes so much in something and to believe that other people would want to hear about it only to be scorned and made fun of and yeah. been kind of like pointed the finger at and been like, ha ha. Or like the guy from the Simpsons. <laughs> How do you do his laugh? What's that guy's name? I don't know. <laughs> I don't Can't know remember. who that is. Is it the clown? No, I think his name's Nelson. Oh, I don't remember. He's like the bully. Blue hair? He's like the bully kid. No, that's uh Blue hair and glasses? No, that's um with an M. Mel- I can't remember. Marlo, Mil- Millville. Port. Milvin? Melvin. Milvin? Mil Millville. Millhouse. Millhouse, that's, that's right. That's what it is. <laughs> Oh, anyway, gosh. enough about The Simpsons. Yeah. Let's move on to track number 10, shall we? Title track. Title track. This song is called Reunion Tour, obviously. This song is told from the perspective of a roadie who's moving through the labor of being on tour. Yeah. Um, I'm assuming it's a reunion tour for a band that's got back together for a tour. Uh, it happens from time to time. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's kind of just talking about the ins and outs of what you do like after what a show as a roadie yeah and obviously that's something the weaker thans are very familiar with yeah um so he just talks about that um it's got a weird spacey sound that kind of mm-hmm. like fills the the song uh as john k, k. sampson casually sings yeah it's a, it's a strange song yeah i like it though i do too moving on to the last song last song yes this song is called utilities another kind of almost depressing song but also kind of uh, kind of like hopeful in a way, I think. Yes, it is. I think. I think as well. I'm pretty sure. Um, but maybe not. At least it makes me feel hopeful. Um, this is the only song on the album that I'm not certain who the narrator is. Yeah. I think no, it could definitely. be John K. Sampson. It might just be... I, I, I feel like it's probably either John K. Sampson or he's just uh, trying to convey a general emotion that he believes most humans have. Yeah. And I think he's talking about like feeling weathered and useless. Yeah. But wanting to be used for something. Yeah, because he like says, if only I could be a toothbrush or a solder gun, like make me into something that I could use that that can be used. Make me into something somebody can use. Yes. So I think I think I mean, I don't know. I always see you know people every day who like seem kind of like down and down and out, and like probably feel like their job is pointless or worthless. And I'm sure a lot of people like that. And uh, to me, to some degree, I feel like that sometimes. Uh, just want to be useful. Just want to have have a purpose, right? Like that's kind of, it seems like that's kind of what the song is about. Is trying to find purpose in life, basically. I agree. <laughs> um, but no, it, it's a good song. There's some really cool guitar yeah, parts when is. the full band comes in. Like that. Yeah. And I really like that. Yeah, same here. Um, overall, what do you think? Overall, the whole album? Yeah. Fantastic. Fantastic. It's my, like I said at the beginning, it's my favorite Weaker Than's album. Yeah. Um, I, I think they got better with every single album that they released. After listening is, to them, I would agree with you on that. Which I, which is all the more reason why I want there to be more Weaker know, Than's albums, know, but right? we'll just have to cross our fingers for yeah, that. Yeah, it would all be, it would be very interesting because this album came out in 2007. And so 12 years later, what would time. they sound like now? You know, like, is it too late? Like, are they just done? Petition! Get an online petition going. Yeah. Get back together. No, you can't do that to a band. Yeah. Looking forward to Yeesh. the upcoming weeks, we are going to be returning to our regular format. 
Uh-huh. And I'm going to have you listen to an album by Avenged Sevenfold. Oh, right. Uh, what the album's called was? City of Evil. City of Evil, okay. And you're going to be listening to an album called Loveless by... Bullet for My Valentine? Bullet for My Valentine. Or is it My Bloody Valentine? Not My Bloody Valentine. I can never remember Bullet which one. Bullet for My Valentine. Okay. The 90s band. Uh, yes. <laughs> the band that I always forget what the genre is. It's uh, its own genre. It's its own thing, man. Yeah. But we'll we'll go towards that. Anything yeah. else to say about the beer? I think um, it's gotten a little bit more intense. It's kind of it gotten a little bit more woody as well. Yeah. Shall we... Uh, but that's probably just because all the sediment is at the bottom and it's... Getting getting fairly intense now. Yeah, it still I tastes agree. good though. Yeah, it's potent, intense. Not bad good. at all. Uh, as we finish this beer, let us say as we always say on American Brews and Tunes. She better be down the hatch. Ah, ooh, that last sip was very sedimenty. Yes. Uh, once again, my name is Stephen Johnston. And my name is Jesse Titus. And this is American Brews and Tunes. Here's a theme song. You know it's not a mean song. It's a good song. Just as it should song. American Brews and Tunes. Shibbity-beeby-day.